Alrighty, everybody. Good afternoon. Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast on the evening of the last weekend of NFL preseason football. And uh, Wiz, uh, I hope you're well. It's going to be interesting. Some teams look like they're going to go play a little bit harder, go a little bit stronger in this last week of the preseason. There are other teams that uh, look like they're going to be sitting a lot of their key players again, but, but looking forward to some football this weekend. And we're getting ready for those drafts. Yeah, I mean, uh, the drafts are all, uh, you know, a week from, starts really a week from tonight. And uh, we going, uh, you know, strong for about five, six, seven days uh, uh, for us. I know that. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to it, uh, getting my preparation, final preparation. And, uh, yeah, really uh, will be, you know, just the excitement of the NFL starting is uh is is always something I look forward to. Yeah, no, no question about it. But you know, not, to, not it's not a season that's going to be without you know some issues. Again, uh, you know, Wiz and I have banged the table on this one last season. We'll bang it again this season. You know, COVID is around here still. Uh, we're going to be dealing with it. The implications for your leagues are going to be there. It's going to impact key players from a week to week basis. Make sure your leagues are taking the chance and 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 opportunity to make sure that you ring fence some of these issues that you could potentially potentially be facing as a result of COVID uh, and players sitting out uh, in, in those regular season games. Yeah, there's, you know, there's going to be a lot of, um, a lot of confusion, I think in fantasy leagues, uh, you know, with who's vaccinated, who's not vaccinated, you know, who's going to miss a game, because of one reason or another, uh, could be because they've had close contact. Because you know, you're not quite sure how, how much time some of these players are going to miss. But uh, yeah, it is getting uh, it, it is getting a little you know confusing, and it, I'm sure it'll get frustrating uh, as well uh, once the season starts. But uh, you got to do what you can in terms of preparations, as best as you know, as best you can for this uh, kind of situation. All right, yeah, and, and, and I agree 100%. And we've talked about it a lot, and we just want to make sure that, that people are, in fact, uh, taking the opportunity to, to make sure you're sorting out and uh, getting it all ready and getting uh, those I's dotted and T's crossed. Um, so anyway, Wiz, for this one, you know, there's, there's, a, there's obviously been a tremendous amount of information that's been processed here over the first couple of weeks of the preseason. Uh, you're reading what the beat writers are saying. Uh, you know, certain sites and certain TV shows uh, are, are, are opining about players, uh, and for this for this podcast, what we wanted to do is talk about those players that are rising up draft boards and players that are falling down draft boards, and and there is significant movement. We've alluded to this a few times over the last couple of podcasts, uh, certain players, uh, but there's a lot of movement. There's a lot of changes. We're going to get down to final cuts shortly. Uh, there'll be a lot of players probably moving moving off certain rosters onto other rosters. And, you know, it's a continual process uh, of fantasy football, making sure you understand where, where the personnel is. But well, like I said, we're going to be talking about players that are moving up draft boards and moving down draft boards in this particular podcast. Yeah, and what you have to be careful of in these type of situations is, you know, not making too much of a correction, not much, you know, not too much of an overreaction to something. And, uh, you know, sometimes you try and adjust a little bit too much to something or there's a little bit of an overreaction. So you, you have to try and, you know, figure out what the happy medium is between um, a correction and what isn't too far uh, off the radar. And uh, we'll, we'll get to that. And uh, who do you want to start with at quarterback uh, in terms of 
players that were moving up or down. Yeah, so it seems pretty convinced, convincing to me the, the way people are treating their drafts and draft boards right now is at, at this point in time, and there was some news bits out about Trey Lance uh, taking more first-team uh, uh, snaps in, in, the pre, in, in the last week of practice uh, for the San Francisco 49ers. But Trey Lance seems to be a guy that, for, in, according to draft boards, that's now starting to kind of move into that kind of – Top say twenty. Uh, I'm, I'm, that's what I'm seeing on a lot more draft boards. I think people are more and more convinced that Trey Lance is going to be quarterbacking much sooner than anticipated for the San Francisco 49ers. So, so that's the first quarterback that I would speak of. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put uh, uh, Justin Fields too far behind that. Uh, where where people have him uh, moving up very quickly and moving into that starting position. Uh, I have a little bit more difficulty seeing that one happening faster. Uh, but nonetheless, that seems to be the way draft boards are working with at this point in time. Well, you know, inside the top 10 or 12, you know, I'm looking at this like in terms of quarterback one, QB one. And the one player that seems to have been driven outside of the top 10 or 12. And I'm going to go by this is the way the team has looked and the news surrounding the team and a player, key player on offense out for the year already is I've noticed that Trevor Lawrence is who is kind of like around 10, 12 is now barely inside the top 15. So that's a player who has clearly moved down and uh, I think, you know, people are waiting to see, you know, how things look with Joe Burrow, who's been a player that's been outside the top 12 to maybe move inside and kind of maybe take the place of Trevor Lawrence to see what that looks like, uh, who hasn't really stepped on the field. But, uh, you know, that in terms of quarterback one, that's the main movement I'm seeing. You know, Trevor Lawrence out, Joe Burrow maybe waiting to be moved up. And uh, it looks like Dak Prescott had a little bit of a, you know, roller coaster, but like he's settled in, entrenched in that top five to seven at quarterback, but certainly inside that quarterback one uh, after uh, the Cowboys seem to have received a little bit better news that he's throwing. So in terms of QB1, that's what I'm saying. Uh, do you see anything else going on, you know, as far as quarterback one goes? Uh, so, so, I, so I do agree with you on Trevor Lawrence. He's definitely slipping on draft boards, no question about that. Um, I'm noticing two other players, one a veteran, okay, one a veteran, and definitely after that last game, uh, I think looking a little bit sprier and maybe having a little bit more confidence in the offensive line seems to be Ben Roethlisberger is sneaking up a little bit in some draft boards. So that's that's one player that I'm noticing just a tiny bit, not much, but just a tiny bit. I'm not seeing the same thing when it comes to Joe Burrow because we really haven't seen him yet. So there is some apprehension. But I would say this, Wiz, it seems to me that, that Ky- uh, Kyla Murray has moved to the back half of kind of the top seven where I think a bunch of people kind of had him in the top three. And I think the way the Cardinals looked the other day, I think people have kind of been a little bit more reactive to that and moving Kyla, uh, Kyla Murray to the back end of that kind of top seven. Look, you remember we did a podcast on what was troubling us uh, in terms of trying to decipher coming into this draft and numero uno on my list was quarterbacks three through eight or nine and that speaks to that. Uh, very difficult. The Cardinals offense has looked horrendous. And, uh, you know, I could see that. It's still a difficult situation for me, uh, looking and trying to figure out how to rank those quarterbacks. And uh, so that, that, that I'm not surprised by that. But, yeah, I've had kind of difficulty with that all spring and summer. 
um, you know, trying to figure out that grouping. So, yeah, I, I can understand uh, where that's coming from. And then in, outside the top 15 or so, and this is, you know, predictable, is that James Winston, you know, the way he looked, the news that he's announced is the way he was announced as the starting quarterback for the Saints. He's moved up. He's, you know, just moving up almost on a daily basis. And uh, I don't know how, how, how much do you buy into that? Are you a believer? Do you, you know, I know he's looked good. I know that was against the Jags, but um, you know, what do you think about that movement? Is that going to, can it be continue to ascend Janus Winston or you think it's uh, you're not buying it? Oh, I, I I think at this point in time, Wiz, and, and and by the way, we should mention this is something that uh, that I'm watching as well. Uh, there is another hurricane headed for New Orleans as as we speak. So hopefully the people down there, uh, everything is safe. It's Hurricane Ida, um, looking like some of the same power that Katrina had. I hope we don't look at a situation like that. But uh, you know, saying prayers for the folks down there. But. Uh, yeah, as far as Jameis Winston goes, yeah, I, I think there is more confidence building in, in Jameis Winston as kind of maintaining control of this job. You know, you mentioned this last year. You talked about him being a quarterback underneath Drew Brees and how much he would learn from that last year. And, you know, Jameis Winston took a chance last year and, and, and did exactly that. And, and he appears very confident. Uh, I think Sean Payton feels pretty confident with this as well. And I, I can see a lot of people kind of taking a chance on Jameis Winston as a, as a QB2 who, who actually may work himself uh, higher than that, depending on the situation. Now, we know they're still without Mike, Mike Thomas. Um, there's some other interesting players here, w- w- which we will speak about on this podcast, I'm sure. But, but yeah, I, I think Jameis Winston, to me, there's a bit of confidence behind Jameis Winston being the quarterback of this team and, and Taysom Hill resuming that role of kind of Swiss Army knife for the New Orleans Saints. Yeah, and, I, and I'm just wondering if he's going to have if he's going to be on a on a short leash. Uh, that's the one concern there because you know it, it it could be a situation where it looks great, and it's not like they don't have somebody in the wings that's waiting to get in there. So I'm a little bit I'm a little bit concerned um, about that. There's no you know there's no there's no uh, there's no there's no question about that. And then just one other player that I, I wanted to mention is you know. <laughs> While it's kind of unknown what's going to go on in San Francisco, um, after the first preseason game, um, Justin Fields was flying up the boards, and now they announced that Andy Dalton will be the starter for the game. So how are you? You know how are you doing that? Yeah, no, I still think though people are not confident in, in at all because, like I said, I, I feel Fields is moving up despite the announcement. I don't think people trust that Andy Andy Dalton is going to be. And you talk about short leashes. I think there's a feeling out there amongst fantasy players, and I'm starting to feel this way too. Is that that the leash will be pr- relatively short for Andy Dalton to hold on to that job, and you will be seeing Justin Fields on the field sooner. Now, again, we've talked about this that Matt Nagy has a lot of experience with sitting Patrick Mahomes behind uh, Alex Smith in Kansas City when he was working with Andy Reid. Uh, but I don't know. As far as I can tell amongst fantasy folks, they, they're not convinced of that. They feel that Justin Fields is going to be on the field sooner than that. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Just when it comes to one of these quarterback twos where all of these guys that we mentioned are, uh, you know, are under, you know, uh, you know and, and, and going to be drafted, um, it, it just, 
you know, extremely difficult. And then the quarterback out of all of these young guys where there is seem to be no question and he's playing well and there's no if and when he's going to start is Zach Wilson. And um, I know Jet fans are excited and fired up and uh, their receiving core is good. So uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I think as far as those rookie quarterbacks, he's got to be considered, you know, where he wasn't necessarily earlier. I think, you know, with his path to playing time, he has to be considered right there with those other rookies, uh, you know, as we head into the season. Yeah, Rob, Robert Soleil talked about that. He said he's well beyond his years in terms of uh, in, in terms of readiness for, for the job and uh, seems very confident in that. I think we talked a little bit about the Jets running backs the other day. The offensive line here is, is much improved. And, yeah, I'm very excited. I'm excited for the Jets. They're playing tonight. I'm excited to see what we're going to get out of this Jets football team. And, and Zach Wilson, I know you were questioning this player a little bit. Maybe you're getting a little bit more confidence. Look, with any rookie quarterback, you're going to have, you know, lots of moments of, of success, but you're going to have issues as well where, where players are going to learn from their mistakes. Uh, but, yeah, really excited for Jet fans that, that they're going to be experiencing this kind of rejuvenation in the franchise. And hopefully this time it's not a false start. I mean, you know, the, 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 the advantage that Jack Wilson has is his path to playing time. And unlike these other rookies, it doesn't really matter. The good, the bad, and ugly, they're going to stick with Zach Wilson. So in terms of drafting the player as your second quarterback, you know, you can take the wait-and-see approach, stream him, see how it plays out. You could drop the player. It's not going to be a situation like some of these other guys where – is he going to get in there? Is he going to get the hook? What's going to happen? So, um, you know, as long as the Jets coaching staff is willing to take the lumps and bad throws that will happen with Zach Wilson, there's also going to be a lot of a lot of good. He has, uh, you know, uh, tremendous arm talent. So uh, we'll see how it plays out. Uh, that was all I really had as running back. Did you have anything else as running back before we were, I mean, the quarterback before we moved to running back? No, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to move to running back at this point in time. So uh, uh, I'll kick it off here at running back. So to me, you know, if we look at some of the, like the elite guys, and I, I know you mentioned Saquon Barkley, so I'm going to let you talk about him. But, but the guy to me that seems to be making the biggest move up, and there's been some, um, some points made that potentially Ron Rivera could be using Antonio Gibson in a very different way this year, much like they used Christian McCaffrey um, when he was in Carolina with him. But but Antonio Gibson, there seems to be a lot more confidence, and we haven't really seen it yet in the preseason, but there seems to be a lot more confidence that he's going to be much more active in the pass-catching game, uh, which he was a receiver in college, as we know. Uh, and Antonio Gibson seems to be one of these guys that's kind of really creeping into the top 10, um, uh, more so than any guy that I'm looking at kind of, you know, I, like I said, most people had him kind of outside that top 10, but he's really starting to press on it. And it feels like Antonio Gibson is moving up as a result of kind of this usage story that's been coming out of the Washington, D.C. area. So there are several players around this running back one that I want to get to. Uh, so since you brought up uh, Gibson, I'll start with Gibson. Uh, yeah, he, he's moving up the rankings. There's a lot to like about him. Uh, the team figures to be, you know, competitive in a lot of games. Their defense is good. It's tough to have long drives against that defense. So it's not that he's his, the offense is going to be off the field for long periods of time. And if he gets used in the passing game, um, 
you know, that, that only adds value. Uh, I hope his durability, I know he got hurt last year and missed some time. Uh, if they plan to use him as a bell cow guy, um, I, I, you know, that, that adds value. I'm also concerned. I see in the preseason a trend that happened last year when they got the short yardage in the goal line that brought in Peyton Barber. Um, I, I want to see how that looks and, and, you know, what that looks like because that decreases value. If a player is going to get touchdowns vultured from him by Peyton Barber, and then you have to deal, um, you know, if he's going to be on the on the field for third downs, are they going to use him in that way? So he's being he's moving up. I'm just looking at him with a little bit of trepidation, especially when it comes to the touchdowns. Um Another player that – two players that I think are going the other way are Clyde Edwards-Alaire and DeAndre Swift. And there's injury concerns. There's durability concerns. There's split backfield concerns. Uh, DeAndre Swift with Jamal Williams. Clyde Edwards-Alaire has Darrell Williams and Dolan Thompson, uh, McKinnon. And I'm not sure if he's going to miss time and ankle sprain. Uh, I'm not quite sure, but these are two players that I think look like they're going the other way. Uh, do you see kind of like the same thing happening with Alaire and Swift? Uh, definitely, well, the latest injury to Alaire, you know, it's kind of pushed him kind of in this kind of 15 to 20 range in terms of running backs. Uh, Swift, I've actually seen some people put Jamal Adams ahead of him, so I'm not surprised to see you say that as well. I, I, you know, kind of in the same uh, discussion as those those two players, actually, I, I would add J.K. Dobbins to it. There seems to be, uh, I don't agree with this at all. Uh, there seems to be a camp out there where folks feel that uh, Gus Edwards, well, knowing that you have a running quarterback back like Lamar Jackson, but that Gus Edwards is going to get a lot more action in this offense. I don't necessarily buy that. I, I really don't. I think he'll, he, he will have his role uh, on, on this team. But J.K. Dobbins, to me, seems to be slipping a little bit, and I definitely disagree with that stance. Uh, I, I have much more confidence taking a J.K. Dobbins over the two players that we just spoke about in, in Alaire and, uh, and Clyde Edwards-Alaire and, and DeAndre Swift. But Swift is definitely moving back uh, and to the point where, like I said, Jamal Adams and some people people's eyes is, is could have a better year in terms of fantasy well the problem that jk dobbins has is a different problem it's not out is he the best back in the backfield his problem is there's a quarterback who is elite at running the ball and lamar jackson is going to take a lot of rushing yards away and touchdowns as well and they're going to use gus edwards i mean obviously like jk dobbins him and jonathan taylor were the two running backs that i had you know, going to last year, even though everybody had Clyde Edwards-Alaire as the number one running back, I had J.K. Dobbins and Jonathan Taylor, and they are proven to be better, and they're going to be better NFL players than Clyde Edwards-Alaire. But all, all that said is it, he, he's a terrific runner. Uh, I, I also don't, you know, I agree with you that he should not be going the wrong way, uh, like going down in value. I like him. Um, and I agree that he should not be moving down. I think it's for just a little bit of a different reason. But I think, you know, you could create some value um, with him falling down. And then there's just another player that I just have just, I don't know, just a, a bad feeling about. And he's a good, a very good football player. And he's going to get all the opportunities in the world. But I don't know if it's it, it, where his ADP is, if it's going to be worth it. I'm talking about Joe Mixon. 
I, that offensive line just gets pushed back. And not only is that concern for Joe Burrow, but Joe Mixon as well. I don't know. I know you love the player. I like the player, not as much as you do. But this is a year for him where there's going to be so much opportunity. But I'm just, is he a top 10 running back? with such a poor offensive line. Give me some clarity on that. No, no, I, I don't have clarity. I don't have confidence in the offensive line. And I think also people that drafted him last year uh, were very disappointed. There was a mystery around that injury the whole season. He never got back on the field. Uh, P. Ryan and, and, and Gio Bernard were, were basically carrying the load. I think the one thing that, that actually you know leads me to feeling that it's going to be more mixing is that you know you, you, you removed you removed um, Gio Bernard out of this offense, and, and really it's just P. Ryan and Mixon, and Mixon can catch the ball. Uh, and I think he'll be active catching the football in this offense, quite frankly. Uh, I don't have confidence in the offensive line uh, because it's not a good offensive line, but Joe Mixon is going to get all the activity that he can handle in this offense. He'll be carrying the ball at the goal line, and I definitely understand where he's being ranked going in the, into the season despite the offensive line weakness. Yeah, I mean, ideally... You know, if you're drafting a running back and he's in that top 10 range, you know, I don't know. I just feel like I want to feel better about the offensive line than I do. And, uh, you know, we'll see how it plays out. But like you mentioned, without Gio Bernard there, there'll be more opportunity uh, in, in, in the passing game. Um, and then, you know, a few other players that I have um, wanted to talk about at the running back spot. One has just moved up the boards due to the injury. Uh, James Robinson, who was terrific last year. And then, you know, the, he drafted ETN. He said he wanted Kadarius Tony, And then he was taken before him. And then he took ETN. Well, ETN's out of the picture. The Liz Frank injury out for the year. And James Robinson has just moved up the boards to where he's now being taken in the second round as early. I've seen in snake drafts, certainly early third. My question to you is, that right now or is that too high you think no nah, full confidence and as a james robinson owner last year and really helping me to a championship in one of those leagues i have full confidence in james robinson and his ability to run the ball and his ability to catch the football and yeah you know carlos hyde is behind him here uh but no i, I have full confidence in that ranking I, I actually think he will stay you know i i actually think he should be moving up into the top 15 at running backs that's i feel pretty strongly about james robinson right now and then just one other was that I saw something interesting already. I saw Sony Michelle is being drafted ahead of Daryl Henderson. Uh, and I don't know about that whole situation. I, I can't make head to tail of it. I, I knew that the Rams probably didn't trust Henderson. Um, now enters Sony Michelle, um, who's a good runner, and Sean McVay is not going to make that tr that trade to, to have Sony Michelle stand next to him uh, on the on the sidelines. So he's going to play in there. So my question to you is, like Henderson, you like Michelle, or are you washing your hands of that entire situation? You, you, look, this guy's got to learn an offense, though, right? Like, you don't just step in there and all of a sudden feel like – I find it a little difficult that, that Michelle would have more value. And, you know, Jake Funk is also here, same as Xavier Jones. So, And we know in the past, especially post-Gurley, uh, that uh, McVay likes to mix in his running back. So I think we'll be seeing a lot of that. And, and probably the value of all these players uh, without an injury is, is quite diminished and, and watered down as a result. But I, I would be hesitant to put Sony Michelle at this point in time, uh, excuse me, ahead of Daryl Henderson. I, 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 I struggle with that a little bit. 
yeah, that was all really I had at running back. Do any other thoughts you had at the running back spot? Or we were able yeah, to no, receiver? I do have a couple of guys that that, that I think bear watching. Um, you know, we we've talked a little bit about a few of these players. I'm not going to talk about this one. These guys, you know, Gio Bernard, definitely moving up. Uh, Singletary with the Moss injury, moving up. Uh, there's two players I've got my eye on, and, and and by the way, it seems very clear that people feel more confident in drafting Trey Sermon than Raheem Mostert. Not sold on that one either, but that's the way it's kind of playing out. Uh, but two guys that are definitely moving up that you know are not kind of in a normal conversation. And give, you mentioned Sony Michelle, so Ramondre Stevenson is clearly moving up uh, quite aggressively, actually. And the other guy is Tony Jones from the New Orleans Saints to the point that. Uh, in some rankings, the, 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 uh, the Latavius Murray has completely disappeared. Uh, there's, there's talk about the fact that he might not even be on this final roster. We know they brought Devontae Freeman onto this team as well. But Tony Jones seems to be a guy that's being talked about as being the number two running back in New Orleans right now. Uh, and we know the way Sean Payton has used his number two running back in the past. So those two players, to me, definitely moving up and, and, and worthy of a consideration in terms of drafting. Yeah. Tony Jones from Notre Dame really, really runs hard. Uh, the one player that I'm convinced is going to be more part of the offense this year after just analyzing the situation, what took place in the offseason, the contract, is James White. James White, I feel, and just watching when they played all of their starters, James White is going to be back, I feel, not to the, like, the full James White in his prime, but in the PPR league, I really feel James White is going to be much, much more involved in the Patriots' offense than he was last year. So, and by the way, uh, Wiz, that, it is worth noting if you remember, James White really had a big tragedy in his life where I, 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 his father was killed in an automobile accident. His mother was severely injured. This happened during the season. Missed a couple of games with that. We know the Patriots' offense was ineffective, but that's a personal tragedy that's very difficult to bounce back from. I think people don't realize how much these athletes are human beings too, and how much their personal lives can intersect with their careers. And I think that. I think one of the things that we saw last year as a result of that was James White, you know, probably taking a step back from football, uh, given this personal uh, tragedy that he suffered. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I I just feel he's going to be a bigger part of the, uh, like I said, I think he's going to be a much, much bigger part of a much larger part of uh, what the Patriots are going to do this year. Uh, So moving on to wide receiver, the one thing I find about the wide receiver position is, there's several of these duos and there's no doubt complete separation with some of these receivers where you think, eh, maybe it's still going to be a little bit closer, but just in some of these things, AJ Brown is way, way ahead of Julio Jones, Justin Jefferson, well ahead of Adam Thielen, CeeDee Lamb, um, not by a large margin, but just about every one of these things is ahead of Amari Cooper and certainly a lot uh, for, much further ahead of um, Gallup. And one of the interesting things is things have really changed with that Bengal trio. And I'm not sure if it's these drops or what's going on with Jamar Chase, but at that one point, like it was clearly Jamar Chase. And I'm seeing many, many different sites and rankings where all three of those Bengal receivers are all lumped together where like people are saying this is so tough to figure out I'm just going to rank them like kind of like boom 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 all next to each other so are you seeing the same thing with like these duos uh, in the case of the uh, Bengals trio of receivers 
Well, actually, I, I did want to talk about three trios, and we, and we talked about this in that one podcast that we did uh, on, on on some particular teams where it was a, dif- a little bit difficult to discern, you know, how things were going to be distributed. Uh, Jacksonville was a team, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers was a team, and as you mentioned, the Cincinnati Bengals was a team. And when I looked at all three, and I have all of these written down, it seems to me that people have decided, and I kind of agree with it just in terms of on the surface what I'm seeing right now but Jamar Chase has moved behind both T Higgins and Tyler Boyd I think uh, I think uh, Chase Claypool is bringing up the rear between him Juju and um, and Deontay Johnson and I think in the case of Jacksonville uh, which is the most interesting change in terms of fantasy owners but Marvin Jones has and and LaVisca Chenault in that order, have been moved ahead of DJ Shark by a long way. In fact, DJ Shark has fallen significantly on draft boards. Very clear to me in terms of fantasy leagues how people are treating those three situations. You may, you mentioned the chase drops, and I think that's definitely impacted things. I've said for the longest time on this podcast, I feel Tyler Boyd is the guy to own just because of the volume. I think he's going to be the guy that's going to be kind of the weekly consistent factor in that offense at the receiver position for the Cincinnati Bengals, and he was on his way to that with Burrow last year. Uh, but yeah, that seems to be the way things have kind of worked out in, in those three situations. Uh, you know, I, I, I did want to make make sure I pointed out all three. But yeah, Jamar Chase drops have definitely concerned some folks. And let's face it, he didn't play football last year. Yeah, there's no, uh, there's there's no, yeah, there's no question about that. Uh, with any other, you know, receiving, um, you know, groups of duos or trios, you want to talk about? Because I want to go at one receiver in particular, but I'll wait till you, you know, finish up with your duos and trios. You, if you had any thoughts on some of those guys? Yeah, look, there, there, there's a couple of guys that have, like we we talked about the Mike Thomas injury. We know what Marquez Callaway did the other day. He is flying up draft boards. I think Kez Watkins is definitely also making that move up draft boards. Jacoby Myers, I would include in that group clearly st- distinguishing himself as the number one option in that offense. But the one guy that's kind of flip-flop, I think there was a lot of noise around Elijah Moore to start the preseason. Uh, he got hurt. Corey Davis is moving up rapidly in terms of ownership, uh, in terms of where he's going. I'm seeing him going like kind of in the top 25 at the receiver position now. That was not the case before preseason started, but there seems to be a lot more confidence in what Corey Davis is going to do. Obviously a big contract with the Jets this year, but those are a few players that I've also made some notes about. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that, that was the player I was going to talk about was, uh, was Callaway who seems to, uh, have a great connection with Winston and then you combine that with um, Mike Thomas being out for a, a length of time. And then you combine that with the game being on TV, national TV for everyone to see. It all leads to a meteoric rise for uh, Callaway. That was basically it for me at receiver. Any other thoughts or anything with the tight end? Yeah, no, I got one more receiver and one more receiving group that I think has been kind of switched around as well. Devontae Parker has disappeared to me uh, on draft boards. Waddle has flown up draft boards. I think there's a lot of indecisiveness around Will Fuller given his suspension and the injury, and he's always dealing with an injury. Uh, But to me, Devontae Parker has just collapsed from this offense, and Waddle seems to be the number one option in terms of people's uh, uh, choice for the Miami Dolphin pass receivers. There's no question about that. I just think that is going to create some value, certainly for Will Fuller who is going to miss a game with his suspension, but um, has shown that he is a, can be a big play receiver. And, uh, and certainly it's not going to have, uh, you're not going to have to say pay the same price or pick him that early as you would with Waddle. 
So I think there could be some hidden value with, with Fuller if he becomes a forgotten guy because of the one-game suspension. All right, good stuff. Let's go. I, I'm, I'm done at receiver unless you want to add anybody else. That's all I have at the receiver position. So let's uh, move over to tight end, Wiz. Yeah, so tight end, I mean, uh, I'm not liking what I've been seeing with TJ Hawkinson in terms of this, you know, the AC shoulder issue. Um, so I'm not, I'm not, I'm not happy. He hasn't been on the field. So I've seen that he's kind of like moved and where Andrews and Kyle Pitts are clearly ahead of him. Uh, and, you know, Irv Smith with all the hype and everything that's being said about him, um, is just moving up and he is firmly entrenched, uh, not only inside the top 12, but, uh, with news about Ertz and being there with Goddard, um, gotta like Irv Smith to be clearly tight end one and even inside the top 10 at this point. And, uh, the, the draft boards are reflecting that. Uh, yeah, you know you know what I feel about Irv Smith Jr. I'm not buying the Conklin discussion. I'm not saying Conklin's not going to be on the field. We know like Mike Zimmer likes to use two tight ends frequently. But Irv Smith Jr. is a difference maker in this offense that kind of lacks a third uh, third option in terms of receivers after Jefferson and Thielen. Uh, so Irv Smith, is, Irv Smith Jr. is going to be that guy. He's going to get a lot of attention in the red zone. He's a super athletic, freakish guy. Uh, I love Irv Smith Jr. No surprise there. I feel pretty strongly about that. Uh, there's three other tight ends to me that are moving up boards first off you know I've talked about Chris Herndon on this podcast quite a bit but to me Tyler Croft looks like to be the guy that's going to be evolving into the number one tight end for the Jets um, and you know we know this is an offense uh, with uh, LaFleur and Saleh that that had a tight end that was doing things so Tyler Croft is moving up draft boards certainly Everett and the comments around him uh, Shane Waldron the offensive coordinator uh, for Seattle was with him with the Rams a lot of comments from Russell Wilson recently he's looked great in practice he is definitely flying up draft boards and you know not a good sight on Monday night with Adam Troutman on the back of a cart and Juwan Johnson a converted wide receiver definitely moving up draft boards uh New Orleans Saints always known to use the tight end in their offense he's an athletic guy big guy something to watch for 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 three tight ends that I have that are moving up draft boards with yeah no no question about that uh that was you know Harrison you know the, the the injury uh Troutman did not look good. I'm um, wondering what that's going to do to um, to to his momentum. And yeah, Croft. Uh, yeah, I just think you combine with the way Croft looked and uh, the disappointment with Herndon. Uh, you could see how that could uh, how that could you know go. And then uh, you know Hunter Henry has kind of come back on the scene here, and uh, he is a guy that you know people really like and. Uh, you know, combined with John o. Smith, and uh, he's just a forgotten guy. And I, I think the return of Henry is kind of moving him up and kind of moving Smith back. So with that said, how, you know, how are you looking at this? Patriot dynamic duo with tight end here. I think overall, I, I have probably a little bit more confidence. You know, you talked about Cam Newton in the last podcast that he's looked good, and I agree with that. It's been kind of surprising when Mac Jones has had the opportunity to get in there. He's looked good. We've talked about Jacoby Myers. Uh, we know they brought Kendrick Bourne here, Nelson Aguilar. Uh, you know, they're, they're, the, the offense looks like it's going to have a little bit more life to it than it did last year, uh, which is good. Uh, and I can't, you know, I think there'll be games where John o. Smith distinguishes himself. There'll be games where Hunter Henry distinguishes himself. 
I, I think I'm going to leave this to be someone else's headache. Uh, where do I see both of these guys catching somewhere around 50 to 60 balls? Probably doable in this offense. Uh, but I don't know. It's going to be a little bit of a headache, I think, on a week-to-week basis to try and figure out who that is. And we know there's a lot of mystery around game planning, Bill Belichick, the way he does things. And I think it'll be just as maddening as it's been in the past to kind of deal with the running backs in New England. I think that'll be the same way for the tight ends in New England. It'll be very difficult on figuring out how things are going to go from game to game. Yeah, and I, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, yeah, you know there there is there is no question about that. It's why, you know, the kind of like you people high on Smith, and then with Hunter Henry coming back, kind of like I don't know, takes away a little bit of the excitement about that. So yeah, I mean that's kind of had everything else kind of looks like status quo to me at uh, a tight end, nothing real movement, any. Everybody else a tight end or anything else in general that you wanted to say before we sign off. So yeah, a tight end. There's two situations that I am watching. Um, uh, we talked about the oven mitts, Eric Ebron, and, you know, Fryamuth court two touchdowns. We know what, in the past, now again, a lot of pass catchers in this offense, a lot of targets to be distributed, but Frymuth had two touchdowns. People saw that last week, so he's definitely getting a lot more attention, uh, you know, go, you know, from 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 a couple of weeks ago. And then the other situation, and we've spoke about this as well. Um, you know, I'm not trusting that J- J- uh, Jared Cook situation at all uh, for for the uh, Los Angeles Chargers. Um, and Parham has gotten more and more accolades for his work he's been doing in practice. That's a situation given that offense. I'm also watching that third receiver in in uh, actually you can even argue second receiver for the Chargers. But I have a lot of faith in Justin Herbert. I talked about that, and I think behind Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler, who ends up sniping targets in that offense is something that I'm watching closely. It could be a tight end. It could be one of those receivers. But I I don't think that situation is sorted out at tight end. I don't have faith in Jared Cook and Parham is an interesting guy to me still. Absolutely. Uh, no question about that. And uh, we've been talking about the interesting depth at tight end and how many of those tight ends that are ranked outside the top 12, how, you know, there's, there's a lot of good options and feeling that several of them can finish as tight end one. And uh, hopefully, uh, you know, we'll nail the right one and hopefully we'll guide people to nail the right one as well. Yeah, and it's hard. It's hard. It's to become such an integral part of the game. But uh, yeah, they're they're a bigger part of team offenses. There there are multiple teams using multiple tight ends now. It's a very different story. But super excited for football tonight and football this weekend. We'll get a lot more clarity. Like I said, roster cuts are going to be coming up. So uh, we'll be getting everybody prepared for their drafts. Super excited here, Wiz, a Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast, Spotify, Apple, Sound, Apple Podcast, and SoundCloud. Make sure you're subscribing. Wiz, great job as always. Enjoy the games this weekend and look forward to catching up next week again. You got it. You do the same.